With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully signed up for a bunch of Cubs great content. We still have all of the series-by-series updates, plus bleacher banter that you know and love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the skyrocketing concession prices at Wrigley Field that are literally more than you pay at Yankee Stadium right now. And I know this because I went to Yankee Stadium for the first time over the weekend. But more on that in a second for a cup of cubby or for bleed cubby blue. Uh, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? It's going. It's Monday. I, I tell you, usually Mondays are like my busy day and I'm just kind of facing a week of things I got to do. And when you win two of three from the Dodgers in Los Angeles, with which they have not done since the playoffs in 2016, and it makes this Monday all the brighter. So I'm not even mad about the concession prices that they're charging other people because I just won't pay them. <laughs> Yeah, just bring your own. You can bring food into Wrigley and you can bring uh, water and stuff in too, as long as it's not like been opened already. So no reason to pay that huge upcharge. I am also pretty thrilled about taking two of three from the Dodgers in LA. I think that's the first time the Cubs have won a series in LA since 2014 is what I heard on the broadcast last night, but I didn't go back and back. Well, yeah, but not the, the playoffs are different than the regular. Yeah. Season. It's like, harder. It's it even is, more it is harder, but It's also a seven game series and the Cubs had home field advantage for that. So like, there's a whole bunch of variables there that are very different than winning a three game series during it, the regular season. Anyway. Yeah. It's uh, easier. The point is we're happy. It's Monday morning and we're happy. I also just want to give a shout out. Um, it's Marathon Monday, which if you have ever lived in Boston, you know what that means. The Red Sox are delayed, but I think they were about to start right as we were about to begin recording. They were delayed about an hour. The marathon was not. And one of my favorite things about Marathon Monday is that the baseball may get delayed or canceled by the weather, but 30,000 people running 26.2 miles never does. It is one of the most special days in sports. I'm wearing my Boston City Connect to rep the marathon today and always it is um a really special day so uh good luck to all the runners out there good luck to the red sox and it's only two turns people right on hereford left on boylston have a great race i actually lived on the corner of boylston street for seven months it's a special area man like i don't even know how to describe it if you've never been uh to the marathon if you've never walked it's such a cool experience because fenway park is like two or three blocks from the course and so the game goes on while basically the elite pool is running. And then long about the time, people like myself who work full-time jobs and somehow find a way to train to run 26.2 miles in their spare time are crossing the finish line. The game lets out and there's just tons of drunken Red Sox fans cheering for tons of great runners. And it is it is a magical day in the city of Boston. So enjoy every second of it if you are in Boston. Uh, that's where my heart is today. Very cool. Boston strong. Well, it's the 10 year anniversary of the marathon bombing too, which yeah. I lived in Boston during that. And that was, that was 
an unbelievable time. Um, Big Poppy was the marathon, uh, like marshal today. Grand he Marshall. started the whole thing. It was so great. <laughs> did he run it? <laughs> no, he did not. He got in a no. car. Uh, Big Poppy running a marathon is something I would absolutely pay to see, though. David Ortiz, let's go. He can do it. He can do. I've run a marathon. He's David an Ortiz ath- can run a marathon. <laughs> yeah, he's an athlete. Yeah, so I could see him doing it. Uh, yeah. I could never see myself running a marathon. It's just, I can't, I can't even run to jewel. It's a block and a half away. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I really need this. And I got some in the oven. I was like, ah, oh, it's not worth it. Just bird the cake. You know, I will. The only thing I'll say about that is that I was studiously not a runner until I was about 32 years old. And then I started really small. Like I started running a half a mile at the gym and then I started running a mile. And at first I was cranky about it. My trainer was just sort of like, yeah, running will help with whatever you're doing right now. And so I did it. And somewhere between um, running two and three miles on the treadmill at the gym and starting to run outside, I signed up for my first half marathon with a friend of mine. And I just kind of fell in love with the cadence of getting up and running, you know, for 30 minutes here, an hour there, whatever. I ran the Chicago Marathon in 2017, uh, and it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I've run 14 half marathons since then. And there's just something special about towing up at the start line for a 13.1 or 26.2 mile race, seeing a city that way. Um, I've never run Boston, but I've run parts of the course training for other races with friends. It's just a really special experience and I have cheered for the Boston Marathon runners and volunteered at the marathon when I lived in Boston. It's just a it's a great, wonderful, magical day in sports. Sarah, and I love it. If you ever go and run the Boston Marathon, I will go to the Red Sox game and be one of the drunken fans that cheers you cheers you on as you run by. And that'll be my contribution to the marathon. And I will tell everybody that oh yeah, I I uh, ran the Boston Marathon. <laughs> I, I'm going to hold you to that because there's a non-zero chance I'll try someday. So um, I, I will spare people the details of how that might work. I, to be clear, I will not qualify for the Boston Marathon. I just know some people who have charity bibs that they would probably let me raise $20,000 for if I ever wanted to give it a go. So I have considered it. It would be a bucket list item for sure. It is not for the faint of heart. I, I ran um, the Heartbreak Hill Half Marathon the one year they, the Runner's World Magazine hosted that race. And Dude, those those hills at the back end of 13.1 miles hurt. I can't even imagine running those hills at the back end of 26.2. Like I might just throw my hands up in the air and cry. Uh, we need to start a marathon podcast, I think, because I was going to say we should we should get to the Cubs baseball. We, we might have lost all of our people here. I swear to God, there's baseball to talk about. Pretty good baseball, actually. Uh The Cubs took two out of three from the Los Angeles Dodgers, who aren't quite the juggernaut that they've been in years past, but are still a pretty good baseball team. That puts the Cubs at eight and six, a 571 win percentage, sole possession of second place in the NL Central. And honestly, Danny, they've looked really good uh, in three games against this Dodgers team, right? Like I thought they had a chance to sweep this series and I am cautiously optimistic as they head into Oakland. I really hope that they don't take their foot off the gas just because the A's are not anywhere near as good of a team as the Dodgers or the Mariners who they just saw. But baseball reference currently gives them a 44.3% chance to make the playoffs. Fangrass is less optimistic and says it's closer to 21.3%. What do you think, Danny? Well, you take two out of three. And so that's just a small sample size in a uh, season that they say is a marathon and not a race. Um, you know, it's it's in a long season, you can catch a team like the Dodgers who 
even if they don't have quite the team that they've had in the years past, you can catch them at a time and they play them again at Wrigley this week that you can catch them at a good time where you can steal some wins. They played tight baseball uh, the entire time, uh, especially yesterday against Urias for them to just scratch out that run on what was it like an error, a stolen base, a move over, and then, you know, knock him in on a, on a crappy infield hit from the, the Luis Torrens, the DH inexplicably um, hit, hit the ball. Just, I don't even think he meant to do that. Right. Like that little squibber. It was a total, you have to, it's not even like they took advantage. They, accidentally started scoring some runs and they got through somehow they manufactured it. And that's what you got to do against teams like that. But I mean, it's a big deal. You know, they're feeling themselves. And, and when you said that they're going to go to Oakland and now you're worried that they will not have their foot on the gas anymore, that is always a concern. But to me, this team's built a little bit differently because it's more of a professional squad that they're like, okay, one day at a time, we know what it takes to play a season. We're all veterans on this team. Now we're going to go to Oakland. We're going to get the business done there. So I'm actually not quite as worried about it as some of the Cubs teams in the past who like kind of played on like gumption and emotion. And, uh, you know, this is probably a pretty boring team after the game. I'm guessing like, they're not, you know, they're even their whole and even their Nico's walk-off hat is boring. It's a stupid cowboy hat. You know, I love that hat. That hat is great. Uh, I, I love seeing hat. it. I hope the waffle maker makes a reappearance. Waffle maker 2.0. Ian Happ, waffles if you listen to the are, show. Waffles are funny hat. I mean, what is it, just like somebody grabbed a, a cowboy hat out of the locker. <laughs> just like, here's the new walk-off hat. So <laughs> I, um, I want to learn about that hat. I want to know what the story is behind that hat. Let's start with game one. Uh, Justin Steele shoved, man, like seven innings pitch, two hits, two runs, two earned runs. Full disclosure, both of those hits were solo home runs. But you'll take that when you you put up eight runs. He outdueled Noah Syndergaard, who went six innings pitch with six hits, three runs, three earned runs, two walks, nine Ks. Um, and the Cubs really opened this up in the eighth and ninth against Andre Jackson, who gave up five total runs. Jan Gomes went bridge twice in this game and stole a bag. Like, I don't know what got into Jan Gomes in LA, but I like it. Do it again. Do more of it. Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki also went deep. Uh, it was nice to see Seiya hitting bombs in his return. And Patrick Wisdom hit home runs in all of these games. <laughs> Patrick Wisdom is just mashing at the moment, and I am here for it. What are you thinking? Well, the Cubs are towards the bottom of the league in hitting homers before they got to Los Angeles. So I know the weather's uh, been actually a little cool out there. I don't know if the ball is consistent. Like, what's going on in L.A.? Are there are there some stadiums that are giving up more home runs than others right now? Um, so I did wonder about that because the Cubs just weren't hitting them at all. In 70-degree wind-blowing-out weather at Wrigley Field, they still weren't hitting home runs. Now, there's a lot of factors to that, but this – you know, they did, they were towards the bottom of the league and now they're actually right in the middle of the league as far as home runs hit as a team. Um, that guy, Andre Jackson, oh, my God, from <laughs> the Dodgers, they Dave Roberts just made him wear it out there. And during this game, we were uh, in the discord chat and we were doing a game watch. And uh, somebody made the joke that 
Andre Jackson had the perfect batter's eye hair. Like it was just the perfect hitting backdrop. It was, it was large. It was fuzzy. It poked out the side of his hat. And I, to be honest, I'm jealous of a guy who can get hair like that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm losing my hair. I, I would, I would love to have hair like Andre Jackson, but, uh, but yeah, boy, did they tee off on him. <laughs> Dave Roberts was like, yeah, stick out. So for them to put up a, to get to LA and put up a big win was a good statement. Although this game was pretty close. Most of the game, it wasn't till old batter's eye hair came out and, uh, and the Cubs were able to go, but Jan Gomes just saying, Sarah, more homers than Wilson. Ha-ha. Just saying. Yeah. Just I mean, saying. hit me, hit me up in July. Uh, we'll see if that number still holds. Um, Wilson Contreras, a much better framer than Jan Gomes at the moment. So my, how the, how the, Mighty oh. have shifted. I, I'm not getting into the Wilson Young Gomes stuff on this podcast today, Danny. It's Marathon Monday. We're not doing that's that. That's true. We'll have you uh, on the Sun Ranto show to have this debate. Yeah, this, that, this that is... could be a that could be a special episode of the bitch clock. Um the <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about this Cody Bellinger pitch clock strike nonsense because frankly, that's my only complaint about this game. At Cody Bellinger returns to Dodger Stadium. They do the thing that you always do where they give you like a nice standing ovation and the crowd is roaring and he takes a minute and everybody's having a good old time at the old ballpark and the pitch clock goes off and so he gets a strike called on him. What? <laughs> I cannot. Can we just like not do this MLB? What are you doing? Well, it's up to the umpire. And so that's the rule. And some umpires are going to be more lenient with it. Some won't be. And you'll get some variance. <laughs> you'll get some variance there. And, um, you know, I, I just watched some, I forget who it was, but there was some pitcher that just had the worst day ever. It was on the Brewers in like the eighties or early nineties or something like that. And he had like five box called out of him in the same inning. And the umpire just kept doing it. The guy was arguing. It was insane. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's the ump show. And so, you know, some of these guys are going to be real sticklers. Yeah, get in the box. You have 15 seconds, and that's how it's going to be. Um, yeah, you do hope that there, that there's a general guidance, at least, to the umpires to when they know, or maybe MLB can be better about informing the umpires that in this game, Cody Bellinger is going to get a standing ovation for his years in L.A. So you so don't start the pitch clock until he's in the box. He gets more than the 30 seconds or whatever it is to in your 10 seconds of walk up music and whatever it's going to be, give it to him. And also for the umpires just themselves to be more discerning about moments like that, because they don't need a daily memo. I don't think if they're sitting around the game, they think they know these things. One would hope that they would know that Cody Bellinger getting welcomed back to LA would be a thing that you should not call a pitch clock violation on. I think this was also the game where Cody Bellinger robbed Jason Hayward, which <laughs> I don't remember if this was this game or game two, yeah, but it was, it was. great. Uh, and I, it was like a moment of the way the fans just turned on him and he just kind of shrugged at them like, Hey man, what's going on? And I mean, come on, you, you stole oh, a no. run from the home team. <laughs> it was game two. It was, was and it? then they, but it yeah, was great. And, and then, um, yeah, they booed him too, which I, I, Michael Cotton on Cubs pod said he sees that is a sign of respect. Like, I agree, you know, and there's always something to the boo. That's like a little sarcastic. Like when Chris Bryant came back to right field or to left field and the, the, the bums were out there yelling at him. I mean, we gave him a big standing ovation. He just kind of, you know, turned around I and mean, he's not very, he was never very 
uh, communicative with the fans as a left fielder when he played out there. So anyway, he struck out in the game. And so when he came back out, we, we gave him the old one, two, three strikes. You're out. And, you know, it, he looked like we had just kicked his puppy. I'm like, dude, it's not that big of a deal. But we're razzing you with a show of respect as well, you know, because we love you. We're not going to give you that much grief. Um, same with Schwarber. You know, we when he's out there, like mostly we, we have a great uh, relationship. But you've you to boo him is also is with that kind of tinge of sarcasm. And I think that's what they gave him. If you get booed by Dodger fans, like, dude, they boo their own moms. Like, they'll right. boo anybody. <laughs> they boo traffic. They they boo movie stars. They, you know, they just boo. Yeah, They're it was like pretty Yankee funny. Fans. The one time I was at Dodger Stadium, I wore a Javi shirt uh, to the game, and they thought that it was a Cubs shirt because or a Dodger shirt because the blues are similar enough. And so the guy walks this buzz was like, yeah, go Dodgers. And I was like, it's a hobby shirt. And he's like, boo, Cubs, boo. Because it was like 2018 <laughs> or something right after the Cubs. Nicole, got, them Nicole got punched in the face by a Dodgers fan. Jesus. Those, those yeah, people remember, are mean. Yeah. I saw a Dodgers fan try to fight a man holding a baby. Yeah, yeah. Dodgers fans can be a little intense. So Cody Bellinger getting a little bit of grief out there was kind of predictable. Um Let's talk about game two more than the Jason. And by the way, Jason Hayward, just for people out there keeping track at home, he has the weirdest stat line at the moment possible. I think it's partially because of the way they're platooning him and it's partially small sample size stuff. When I looked in the middle of this game after the home run robbery, he has he is hitting the ball hard something like 76% of the time. That is not sustainable. <laughs> that is going to go down. But he's really just only mashing the ball, hitting ground outs to second, or striking out. <laughs> That's all he's doing. It's so weird. I don't know what's going on with Jason Hayward, but I'm going to keep an eye on it. Uh, game two was the one that was winnable, a little frustrating for some fans, but I was not frustrated by this. You're going to have games like this over the course of a 162 game season. You are going to win some of them. You are going to lose some of them. Anytime you go into the ninth inning with a one run lead, you got to just like take what happens. I will say I was hoping to see a little bit more from Michael Fulmer, who really just seemed to kind of fall apart there in the ninth. Danny, what did you see in game two? Well, the frustrating thing to me, and now this is another thing that I thought was like the Cubs of old, because do you remember the idea that if you've never seen the pitcher before, that they would just, the offense would disappear? Like the, and so I'm like, no, this is a new professional squad. They're not going to, you know, go in there and, 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 uh, you know, crap their pants with this new guy that they've never seen. But this dude, Grove, who had an ERA north of 10, um, coming in here, two hits us through 5.2. And so, I mean, you're only getting the one run, which was the Patrick Wisdom home run because dude's on a freaking tear. Um, but so that was the only frustrating thing. Yeah, to lose it at the end there. I mean, Fulmer, is he, he's not a high-end closer. He's not one of these dudes that'll come out and strike out the side every time. You know, he's he's not – going to go in the hall of fame as a closer Cubs have had those guys before, you know, where it's just this throwing gas hundred, like I hate to say it, but like when you had a roll, this Chapman coming out the back end, you know, many times it was game over and there was no doubt about it. I'm, nobody feels that way about Fulmer or Boxberger or any of them. Um, so it's by committee. They blew it. I'm not going to, you know, you, there was some questionable, well, it's Hap and Suzuki, 
screwed up. I mean, they, they didn't come through in this game with the uh, bases, I think, were loaded, right? This is loaded, and both of them couldn't get it done. That was, yeah. uh, they they changed pitchers right before Hap came up. But again, you kind of hope that the heart of your lineup can get it done with bases loaded and one out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they should. I mean, that'll Let's be the... That would have been nice. <laughs> I agree. Let's talk about three things that were pretty good in this game. Uh, Keegan Thompson and Mark Leiter looked great. They've looked great this whole year. I have been one of the people who's been a little down on Mark Leiter in the past. I am not this season. He looks like a totally different pitcher to me. Um, both of them were lights out. What do you see from the middle part of the bullpen? Yeah, Leiter's a bit of a surprise. You're right about that. Um, didn't, didn't they use him two days in a row, too? They did. I think yeah. that, yeah, they used him in game three as well. And he got the hold there, too. Yeah. And he had 20 pitches. I'm looking at it right now in that first game. So that's uh, pretty impressive that he's able to go out there. But, I mean, he's also was used as a starter. But that doesn't mean you can go unloaded every day. But he had right. – now talk about strikeout stuff. And I guess he's got the reverse stuff because he – whatever this means. I mean, we're looking at – we're looking backwards at stats. You yeah, know? they're very so small this, sample sizes right now, too. Yeah, people, this is so. what's happened so far. So if, you know, you can't, I don't know what you can, if you can read the tea leaves on it, but it's going well. Um, yeah, I'm not worried about the Cubs bullpen. I mean, I'm, I'm wor I don't think they have any high end arms that are just going to always do great, but like you might have a whole group of guys that with ERAs in the threes at the end of the year, maybe a couple of twos and a, and a four, but I don't think you're going to be sitting on, a bunch of freaking eights and sevens and stuff like that. You know, they have talent, but there's not a real high ceiling to the bullpen. Yeah. I think that's absolutely correct. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about, Nico corner stole his eighth bag of the season in this game. He's on a historic stolen base path right now. Like he, if he keeps this up at this rate, he will absolutely shatter Cubs stolen base records and uh he's some I think that I heard Taylor McGregor say before game three that if he had stolen a base in game three and gotten his ninth seal of the season he would have had the most stolen bases in any first 16 or whatever it was or 15 or have 14 however many games the Cubs have played so far games for a Cubs player ever uh he said at Cubs convention that he was going to run more I don't think I anticipated him leading the league all of the major leagues in steals as of the first two weeks of the season, but he is, he's tied for the lead uh, with two other guys, I believe Cedric Mullins and somebody else. Hold please. I have it up. No, I do not. I, I ended, I pulled that down. So he's tied, tied for the league lead with Cedric Mullins and somebody else. I mean, this is fun and Nico's good at stealing and I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is also, I was thinking about it because the Cubs were re really never known as the stolen base team. The, they were always like, you know, the, uh, the what everybody used to say is that it was a great hitters park, that the wind's always blowing out. And then but that was just kind of like anecdotal. So they never really had too many guys that did it, um, even in the stolen base era, you know. So it's it's interesting that they that to have a guy up there. I mean, the only thing I can think of is like, you know, when we had Juan Pierre <laughs> that one time, I mean, he was kind of past Emilio Bonificio. Yeah, yeah, they had some, I mean, but then you could even go back to like Bob Dernier, but I don't, I think he wasn't stealing like a hundred bases, like Vince Coleman or somebody like, or yeah, of course the greatest of all time, Ricky Henderson. Um, I saw someone compare Nico Horner and Ricky Henderson today, 
and I, on Twitter, and I want to be like, whoa, 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 slow up, <laughs> whoa. slow up. <laughs> like you're gonna, yeah. This, these are not the same. Like I cannot imagine two baseball players that are more different than Nico Horner and Ricky Henderson. And I still love Nico leading off and stealing all the bags. Uh, we are actually running a bit long for this recap. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we're going to talk about the third game in the series where the Cubs cemented their series win over the Dodgers. We're also going to preview three games against the Oakland Athletics. But first, a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back. So in game three, look, Drew Smiley is just mad that I sat him on like every fantasy team that I had after his rough start in his first outing and just shoved this week with two starts. So, you know, put Drew Smiley back in your lineups, people. I was definitely wrong. Put up another great start, five and two thirds innings, pitched four hits, one run. It was earned two walks, three Ks, didn't have a lot of strikeout stuff, but got it done. He was, he outdueled. Julio Arias, who was great until the sixth and just kind of unraveled, as you talked about in the top of the show. And then Alzali, Leiter, Fulmer, and Boxberger all just kind of came in and shoved at the end. Um, I think that the interesting move here in the ninth was David Ross having Fulmer come out until the batter was announced and then pulling Fulmer for Boxberger to kind of force Dave Roberts to go to his bench if he wanted to try to generate offense there. I thought that was pretty savvy on Rossi's part. What, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, it, it, watching this game and how close it was the entire time, and it, you just had you just had to have it go well. I mean, and it did. It's like they it just worked out this time. It was like almost the same game as the day before, except this time it went in your favor. Kind of reminded me of like those Cubs Giants games back in like 2016, where there were it felt like in, at least in this series to. Uh, evenly matched teams. And they're like for, I mean, first of all, Boxberger got a little bit of help from the umpire and uh, at the end of this game, because some of those strikes were not strikes. And some people gave a lot of credit to Gomes as the catcher and were saying things like just saying, Sarah, that had Wilson been back there with his horrible framing that the Cubs lose this game. And as I was watching this thing, I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Do I trust the bullpen? Absolutely not. Do I not trust the bullpen? No, they're fine sometimes. So this time they were fine. The time before they weren't. And, you know, now it was nice to see Fulmer bounce back. Okay. But you can't throw this Wilson Contreras thing out there with that. I need everybody who's talking about Wilson's framing versus Jan Gomes's framing to go to baseball savant and look at the actual framing numbers where Wilson Contreras is in the 67th percentile of framing and Jan Gomes is in the 17th percentile of framing. And I just need y'all to stop. When I pointed this out to someone who was making comments on like Wilson's glove placement or whatever yesterday, they immediately replied with, well, I, I was talking about targeting, not framing, which is different and how the pitcher like targets the ball and whatever. And like, okay, fine. But that's not a measurable stat. And that's like, literally now you're just moving the goalpost to some other subjective thing that you think Wilson does poorly. So it's either that he's like 
awful at framing or he's awful at targeting or he's like, just leave Wilson alone. People like Wilson was a great cub for seven years. He's not playing for the Cubs anymore because Jed Hoyer didn't offer him a reasonable deal. That's not on Wilson. And the fact that he is out there, like, you know, being the guy for his new team, we all knew that was going to happen, whoever it was. And it's the Cardinals because of course it's the Cardinals. That's the way the world works. And I just can, I'm not going to be mad at Wilson Contreras for going out there and trying to do all of the right things. And I just find it laughable that people are still commenting on his defense when his objective defensive numbers are literally better than Jan Gomes. Except for caught stealing, which he's doing quite well at that. And um, one positive thing is that both both teams are doing quite well at it. But the Cubs are near near the best, if not the best. They're not running on Gomes and Barnhart at all. There's only like five attempts and they've caught three of them. So it's pretty incredible. And you have to, you've got to hand it also to the pitchers, too, because they're in on that game, too. So controlling the running game is a battery situation. Um, but but just cool numbers. But the Cardinals have been good at it, too. Some teams like the Dodgers, and we kind of saw that, have been terrible. And just can I just say one more thing about the Nico Horner situation, about uh, leading in stolen bases? Um, you have to go, like, back to, like, the 1890s to have anybody on pace for this, you know, Bill Lang in 84, uh, 1884. Right? 18, Frank, yeah, 1884. Not, yes. not, not 1984. No, sorry. Not, uh, yeah. Uh, no, 96. Sorry. No, no, not 1996. What are you doing? What are you doing for me, Danny? Like, um, are we in the Frank, 1800s or the 1900s here? Frank, I don't know. It's we're like two. We're in the we're two centuries away nearly. Um, <laughs> Frank Chance had 67 and led the league, you know, in 1903. But, you know, you can't you got to go way back to find guys that stole bases. Yeah, I agree. Um, other thing I want to talk about here before we move on to previewing this Oakland series, Wisdom's just on a home run tear, man. He had three in this series. He does not look like he is slowing down anytime too soon. And Bellinger went back to back with Wisdom here. I mean, preview, uh, fast forward to when we talk about hot hitters, but Cody Bellinger is about to make his debut on the Cubs hot hitter list in the last two weeks. And he did almost all of it on the back of these home runs that he had um, the last few games. What are we seeing from the back end of the Cubs rota- uh, Cubs lineup in Wisdom and Bellinger? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what is in the water in L.A., but everybody's hitting home runs. So, I mean, Bellinger, it, you really want to see him succeed because – So the either, Cubs can trade him. No, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, I mean, it's either that or, or you'd sign him. And I don't think they're going to be – they just signed Ian Happ. You got these outfielders knocking on the door. I mean, are they just going to, and say is already in there. So you're really going to like lock up a Bellinger. No, your whole point with Bellinger is maybe do something this year. Cause he has a rebound and he's also rebounded his, um, it, his uh, value on the open market, or he's good. And you're a 500 baseball club and you get to trade a valuable lefty, glove a center field glove you know i mean he's if he's good there's a lot of value there so yeah i like what i'm seeing out of bellinger wisdom you know he's got it in him like this he's got a ton of power he's a huge dude and i don't know why i mean he you got to get him in this lineup whether as a dh or a third baseman because and quit putting madrigal out there um because wisdom's arm is good too 
You know, he's just a better all-around ball player, even if you consider him ultimately like a 4A guy, a role player. Uh, you know, she should be batting seventh, you know, playing a little left. But, you know, the Cubs have a few positions kind of locked up. Wisdom, he's the only dude capable uh, of hitting 40 home runs on your team. Yeah. And if you throw him out there every day, he will easily hit 30. Easily. Oh, absolutely. At this, I mean, at this rate, and Patrick Wisdom has always had a really elevated uh, home run to fly ball ratio. I, I wrote about it back in 2021 when he first came up with the Cubs uh, after the trade deadline. And you could just see that the pace that he was on for the amount of home runs that he was going to hit for his fly ball percentage was just absurd. I, it's It's honestly better than most of the guys that the Cubs let go. Like Anthony Rezzo never hit home runs at that pace. Neither did Chris Bryant. Neither did Wilson Contreras. None of them ha were ever hitting home runs at the pace that Patrick Wisdom does. The power is surreal. And so he's tied. He's got more than Eric Judge right now. He's tied for third with Max Muncy and Ryan Mountcastle behind Devers and Alonzo. And what I love that it's coming with this time is a higher batting average. Because of those guys I just talked about, only Devers and Alonzo have a higher batting average. He's he's got a two fifty five right now, so that's respectable. Muncy's at two oh eight. That would be your your comp, you know. So if you, I saw like he got a single in yesterday's game. He had two hits, one of them being a home run, of course. And um, after the single, he was like slapping five uh you know with napoli just being like yeah almost more excited about hitting the single because you know he wants that too he doesn't want to be just you know low batting average high slug he wants to be the guy that hits double sometimes you know and that can hit a line drive when that's what the game needs you know he just doesn't want to have one stroke he wants to be a more complete ball player and to me he's the one that deserves the third base spot every day for, for right now, I, I think nobody else deserves it. I mean, let's put Patrick Wisdom there. We're going to talk about first base in a minute, though, because first base, I think, is up for grabs. And I don't know what Matt Mervis has to prove down in Iowa to take that spot from Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini. But I think he proved it last week. Yeah, I mean, is Mancini even good? Like, No, he's on the Cubs. Yeah. He's the only guy who's still on the Cubs cold hitter list, and he has been there the entire time. I mean, it's honestly, I'll just jump there now uh, because we're going there anyway. The only guy who has a WRC plus under 85 with at least 20 plate appearances for the Chicago Cubs in the last two weeks is Trey Mancini. He is slashing 220, 233, 293 over that time period with a WRC plus of 37. He made an error uh, that kind of cost the Cubs uh, some, put the Cubs in a pretty precarious position late. And I, I just, he's not that great of a first baseman. He definitely wasn't that great in right field. I don't, He's not a designated hitter when he's got a WRC plus of 37. I don't know what to do with this, Danny. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sold on Trey Mancini. I mean, he's coming back from cancer and that's a, a huge, you know, accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, he had some great years with Baltimore. He seemed to bounce back pretty well at a 750 OPS in 2021, uh, but it hasn't. And uh, Houston traded for him. So they wanted they wanted him and thought that he could help, but he didn't really do well there. In 186 plate appearances, he batted 176. So, um, you know, let's, I don't know. 
I mean, here's what and Matt Mervis the- did in 2022 in AAA over 240 plate appearances. He slashed 297, 383, 593 with a walk rate at 10.4%, a K percentage of 14.6%, and a WRC plus of 152. Here's what he has done with 57 plate appearances so far at AAA, repeating the level for hashtag reasons. He's slashing 293, 456, 585 with a walk rate of 22.8%, which tells me that pitchers are just not throwing him strikes and Matt Mervis refuses to chase. A K percentage of 15.8% and a WRC plus of 159. What are we doing there? Like, well, why is Matt Mervis in AAA to not see strikes? Well, especially because it's like it's going to be Mancini or Hosmer over there with this platoon. And you can easily replace two guys with one guy. But they've got Mancini for another year at the very least. Hosmer, you can just, you know, bye-bye if you want to. And I'm not saying Hosmer's doing bad. And he's you not. know he's doing better than Mancini, but honestly, like but, who cares? But with these roster st- spots too, it's like also Morel's killing it down there. Doesn't but like you said, oh Mancini's not really great at third at uh right field. Well d- you know Morel probably be pr- pretty good out there. Uh, or Nelson I mean, Velasquez who came put, up and like put up an OPS of like two fifty a two two point five like like way over whatever OPS normally should be like 2,500. And he's like, Nope, sorry. Bye. I just, well, now you got to say, so I know. And I understand. And you want Nelson Velasquez and Christopher Morrell to get at bats. And I will say that Morrell's strikeout rate is still pretty elevated in AAA. So I, I can understand if they want him to continue to work on that while he's not going to get regular playing time at the major league level. And also why is Luis Torrens here instead of Matt Mervis? Like why is, yeah. why, why is That's- Trey Mancini, or Eric Hosmer or Nick Madrigal, de- the designated hitter, instead of the guy who is literally mashing AAA so badly that he is walking 23% of the time. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like that these guys that they signed were just to be an insurance against making it look like they're going out there with an all-rookie team. And the fans are like, Actually, we think these guys are really good. Yeah, we'll we'll watch them play. Like even if they, you know, if they're not going to make the World Series this year, at least we want to let the kids play. Other teams do this. The Reds do this. You know, bring a guy up at age 20, 21. And the Cubs only do it if there's massive injuries to everybody else. And in the meantime, they're just going to play some 4A clown who they picked up off the waiver wires that that will be good for like a week. We'll make a few T-shirts and then it like, you know, Frank the Tank kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like. Are there even Hosmer shirts? Does anyone care? Like Hosmer was in the game as the designated hitter or something yesterday. And I think he saw two pitches. He popped up one of them and he grounded into a double play in the other one. Like I. He's getting paid the league minimum by the Cubs. He is actually being paid by the Padres. I'm sure he's a great clubhouse guy. If you really want to keep him around, let Luis Torrens go because and bring up Matt, Mer- Matt Mervis. I can think of like 57 ways to make this work, and all of them involve Matt Mervis playing first base for the Cubs. <laughs> 50 ways to get rid of Hosmer. <laughs> <laughs> that's our next song. That, that's our next song. Uh, Danny, you, you get that going. We'll get that, uh, ready for what the day Hosmer is DFA, which has to be soon. Uh, the Cubs are going to play a three game series in Oakland. We've got some more late night baseball for you. So get your coffee or your Red Bull or whatever it is you need to stay up and watch these games. Probable pitchers for this series tonight. Hayden Wisniewski will take the bump one more time. He has struggled this season so far, uh, against Kyle Muller. Is his name Kyle? I didn't. Yeah. Kyle Muller. <laughs> Tomorrow will be Marcus Stroman against Ken Waldachuk. 
And then the finale will be Justin Steele versus James Caprellian. The A's are not very good. Oakland is a weird place to play in because the Coliseum is huge and the ball does not travel very far. I honestly don't know what to expect from this series, but it is very much a pitcher's park. So I'm hoping Hayden Wisniewski can write the ship against a pretty weak Oakland lineup. What are you thinking, Danny? Yeah, the A's are terrible. They're the worst team in the majors. And the Cubs just coming off that, you know, high and mighty uh, trip to L.A., probably feeling pretty good at, about themselves. So I got a little sick feeling in my stomach that they're going to, you know, underplay this evening or just not have the vibes, especially going from a place like Dodger Stadium to what is most likely going to be an incredibly empty Oakland ballpark. Um so, uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous about it, but, you know, we're facing a bunch of guys that aren't, I mean, I mean who, they're not good. You know, Kyle, uh, Kyle Muller, uh, he's got a 552 earn run average, um, not a lot of experience. Uh, his last time out there, he gave up six runs against Baltimore and only lasted four. And uh, then Hayden Wisniewski, I mean, he's got to run into a good one eventually, and maybe this will be good for him. It's not Wrigley Field. You don't have all the pressure. You've been in the bigs. You got the fifth starter job. Now you're playing in front of a minor league crowd. So maybe it'll be good for him and he can be totally shut down on the road with less pressure on him on a Monday night. It's not good. You know, it's going to be a little chilly out there. Oakland's still cold at night. It's in the 50s. So that's got to be helpful for for Hayden but it'll also be helpful helpful for the other guy neither pitcher has, has been doing good this year though yeah it could be an interesting series I mean Marcus Stroman has been great so far this year Ken Waldachuk has been you know totally fine uh, he's oh no he is not he has a 10.2 ERA with yeah, 11 no, they're all bad yeah too. uh <laughs> James Caprillion has put up a 12.15 ERA with 15 strikeouts. So you, you kind of think that the Cubs should win two out of three here, which is part of why it makes me nervous because that's usually when the Cubs drop two out of three. Yeah, exactly. They like they should have gotten swept in L.A. and then swept the A's for a three and three road trip, which you take every time you go out west. But instead, they're going to do it the totally crazy way and uh, and uh, drive us nuts. But um I, there's a lot of names that I don't recognize on this A's team, including I saw you have him as a hot hitter, but I, can we talk about Brent Rooker? Like, yeah, I, I don't guy? know who Brent, Brent Rooker is, but do you want to hear four what Brent home Rooker's runs this, yeah. this week? This yeah. week he's had four home runs. Definitely uh, on my hot hitters to look at list. So Brent Rooker in 31 plate appearances, he has played seven games in the past week for the Oakland athletics. He has, Walked 12.9% of the time, only struck out 16.1% of the time. And he is slashing, wait for it, 423, 484, 923 with four home runs at a WRC plus of 278 in the last wow. two weeks. So I, I don't know what a Brent Rooker is, but. Um, we're about to find out maybe. <laughs> I think we're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so either that or he's one of those rookies that could, I mean, because I don't think the A's really have too many guys, but it. This is one of those teams that you really kind of forget about. But do you know who I who do well, be, are be, Jesus before. Eagle is on this team. Jesus, Jesus Aguilar. Oh, I was like, what? Yes, Jesus Aguilar is on this team. Uh, Tony he's, he's not doing all that great right now. He's got a WRC plus of 86, which is just above the cutoff line for being a cold hitter and just below the and um, well below the cutoff line for being a hot hitter. Let's talk about these other hot hitters for a second. Shay Langoliers, who is a catcher. 
that the A's got from the Braves, I believe, um, a few years ago when they made a trade with them. Uh, he is slashing 289, 341, 579 with WRC plus of 158. Estuary Ruiz, who is a outfielder that was part of that three-way deal that sent William Contreras to the Brewers and Estuary Ruiz to Oakland and Sean Murphy to Atlanta. He is slashing 289, 341, 579 with a WRC plus of 152. And then somebody named Ryan Noda, who I have also never heard of, uh, is slashing 222, 404, 417 with a WRC plus of 144. So those are the A's hitters to watch. Aside from the fact that two of these guys came from trades with Atlanta and two of these guys are guys we've never heard of. Anything else interesting to, there to you, Danny? Yeah, they got a shortstop named Kevin Smith. Who, um, who he's, makes, he's not who very make, good. Yeah, he makes, but he makes, uh, but he makes great films. He uh, is, he is the worst uh, guy on the cold bats at the moment. He is slashing 136, 136, 136 with a WRC plus of negative 31. So things are not going all that well for Mr. Kevin Smith. Let's bounce back up to the Cubs hot bats because I want to give a shout out here at the top. I've been very down on the Bellinger idea. I do not believe that the Cubs are going to fix Cody Bellinger's swing. But, you know, I could be proven wrong. And if I'm proven wrong, I, I will fully take my lumps on that one. Cody Bellinger has been the hottest bat on the Chicago Cubs in the last two weeks. Hello, come on down. Belly is slashing 310, 375, 571 with a WRC plus of 148. But beyond that, he has hit three home runs, stolen three bases, has 10 runs and nine RBIs during that time period. I mean, if he keeps that up, this was brilliant. And I am here for it. Yeah, and I wonder how much uh, it has to do with going into L.A. and knowing how to play there and just feeling very comfortable and also having it circled on his calendar that, hey, I'm this and it's going to happen early. So um, apparently Bellinger forgot to get his parents tickets to game one. Like he just didn't leave them at the front desk. And so his parents got there and they were like, we don't have tickets. for They're like on StubHub trying to get a ticket. That's hilarious. It sounds like a very belly thing to do. The other Cubs hitters who are hap- who are hot, huh, previewing where I'm going here a little bit, Ian Happ uh, slashing 295, 392, 500 with a WRC plus of 142. Ian Happ has been on this list absolutely every time we've done it. Shout out to Ian Happ, just off to a monster start and going to be a Cub for at least the next three years. Patrick Wisdom slashing 250, 318, 600 with a WRC plus of 140 and four home runs over the last two weeks. You love to see it. Nico Horner. He of the stolen base, uh, I am on a tear record. He's hitting 362. He's slashing 362, 423, 404. His WRC plus is 132. If you steal 80 bags and you hit above 350, that is some like 1970s baseball nonsense that I don't even know that I've ever seen that in my life. Like maybe when I was five. Yeah, no, it's he's off to a great start. And also it's that I mean, prototypical leadoff hitter in a way. And that's what the Cubs have always sorely lacked. You know, I mentioned Juan Pierre and that never he never really could hit the ball out of the infield. And, you know, you'd think of a guy like Nick Madrigal, who, with you know, can always, you know, kind of scrap his way on. But Nico is far superior to either of those players because he's given you a lot more than that. Plus a great glove at second base. I mean, he could play short just as easily. And uh, so, you know, he's, you know, Nico, he reminds me of, um, uh, God, who, uh, who's the guy? I'm blank. Trey, uh, Trey Turner. 
You know, I always thought that he could be like a Trey Turner type. I'm saying the right person, right? Yeah, yeah, you are. Um, no, that's t- I, I totally agree with you. I'm just I, I'm honestly stuck. I I'm honestly stunned. Turner has a little bit more power. Nico is always going to be more of a doubles guy than a home run guy. But if he steals that many bags and he's on base that often, he doesn't strike out very much at all. I mean, I just I I, I love Nico Horner, man. Like I am I I'm very here for this and. I, I was on some fantasy shows at the start of the season when he was um, you know, talking about how he was going to run more and ha- and wanted to run more and how he could be a 300 hitter. And he is proving me right to start the season. So keep, keep it up, Nico. The last guy who makes the Cubs hot bat list, I, I never will. Um, even when it doesn't work out in my favor and even when it's not going my way, I will never, never mess up this list. It's Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes got himself onto this list with a nice showing in LA, he's slashing 259, 259, 593. That WRC plus got quite the bump uh, with that double home run game. It's up to 120 over the last week, and he stole a base. So thanks for contributing, Jan Gomes. Keep it up. Tanya, we never really needed Wilson this year. We just uh, we just don't need him. <laughs> I you're dead to me, Danny. You and Michael Cerami both. Um we talked a little bit about who some of the cold bats on the Oakland Athletics were. Let's close out the show with some other guys to keep, a na- keep an eye on who are struggling. As a reminder, these are all dudes who have a WRC plus that is under 85 right now. I'm not going to read the full slash lines because they're ugly. But Jace Peterson, Connor Capel, Aledmus Diaz, and Tony Kemp, who you may remember from his brief stint with the Cubs. I don't know if he still does backflips out there, but I would like to see if he does. Uh, all of those guys struggling mightily along with the aforementioned Kevin Smith, this Oakland A's lineup really seems like one of those lineups where if you can get through the top half of guys who are pretty good, you've got a lot of guys at the back end who are struggling a lot. The Cubs should sweep. This is, I mean, they're, they're winning like once a week on average. And I don't, this can't, this can't be the series in which they win a game. I would love to see that. I agree. They just got swept by the Mets. We should sweep them too. Like actually they played the Mets pretty tight. Yesterday's game ended in extra innings. So, but the Mets came back and tied it in the ninth and won it in the 10th. And then, so that's gotta be, so they're coming in on Monday, all heartbroken. Whereas the Cubs pulled out a great win and are sailing in, you know, hopefully not too uh, full of themselves that they look past this game, but uh, you know, what do they call that? A trap game. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Feels it feels trap gamey. And little that's what makes me nervous in the bit of my stomach. But I do believe, and I said this before, in our ability to overcome this. These are veteran players who know what a trap game is. They know it's trap game night. They they've trap gamed before, and maybe they'll do something a little bit different to uh figure out how to not trap game this one. Is it a sweep? Is is it a trap? If you will hear either way on the next episode of Cup of Cubby Blue. In the meantime, Danny, where can people find you and what you are working on this week while the Cubs play some late night games in Oakland? Yeah, come hang out on uh, Sunday night after a not late night game because there is got one day game in here at least on the Wednesday um, uh, for the Sun Rancho show at 8 p.m. will be on all of my social channels, but Twitter, Sun Rancho and Google it. Google me and you'll find it Awesome, and we'll we'll hang. Yeah. Always fun to hang out with the Sun Rancho crew. You should definitely check that out. You can find me at at BCV underscore Sarah. You can follow the show at at cup of cubby blue until next time when hopefully we're talking about this week, but we may be talking about a trap. I don't know. We'll find out. Talk about it then.